Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Invest for lifestyle and overall financial objectives to be achieved, overall, which they include not just money. There's a lifestyle choice here when you buy investment property. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Randy Ramadan. How you doing, Randy? I am awesome and honored to be here, Joe. I'm a long-time listening fan. Well, sweet. Well, I'm glad to hear that and looking forward to having our conversation a little bit about Randy. He is a top real estate broker. He's been a broker for 18 years. He's based in Toronto, Canada. He's been a mortgage broker for 14 years and recently is a commercial property appraiser. He published a book by Wiley Canada called Investing in Condominium Strategies, Tips, and Expert Advice. So clearly, we're going to be getting into that. So with that being said, Randy, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Absolutely, Joe. As you just pointed out, I'm heavily involved in real estate. I'm passionate about it. And my objective is to work with my clients and my investors to help them make more money. And I think part of that also includes increasing my personal wealth as well. And I'm really looking forward to sharing on the interview today some of the things that I've done and some of the lessons that I've learned. Well, let's talk about what you've done to increase your personal wealth. Where should we start? Well, 2006, I bought my first apartment building, condo converted it, and that was my first big investment personally. It was a joint venture. And it ended up being one of my best deals ever. Mind you, I had learned a lot of lessons. I had to go through a lot of trials and tribulations. The market went down soon after we had closed. And it's a little bit complicated to hold and manage as my first investment deal. But that was one of my biggest deals that I had ever done. And I learned so much. Mind you, with my client roster, I've helped a lot of clients as well by a lot of properties across the GTA. GTA is the greater Toronto area. With that apartment building, first off, how many units was it? 31 units. 31 unit apartment building. 
And lo and behold, the market went down after you closed, which is the exact opposite of what I think you want when you're doing a condo conversion. So tell us about that. Well, that was interesting because at that time, the market was really strong. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the greater Toronto area and my real estate market, but I've been in the industry license for 18 years and we've had a bull market consistently for 18 years. But when bears and CERNs had their market crash in late 2007, early 2008, that had directly affected the real estate market where I bought this property, which was in the Niagara Falls area. Niagara Falls is close to Buffalo, the U.S. border. And when that happened, there was an immediate impact in the local area. John Deere was a major employer in that part of town. They closed down their factory. Also, because of the border, there was a lot of movement of goods with trucking. That slowed down as well because the U.S. economy was consuming so much less in terms of goods. So there was an immediate impact in the area. So real estate values overall dropped. However, the advantage of buying a rental building that had tenants in it is that these tenants were paying their rent the rents didn't change. They were always there. We never had issues with vacancy. We had one of the few apartment buildings in that town and the first condominium converted building in that town. So we had the rental revenue, but prices had dropped. So you had your tenants in there paying your rent and then you waited to later to do the conversion when the economy picked up? Well, the intention was when we had first purchased the building was to sell 95% of the building to investors and have a rental pool manage that. Ended up such that I got engaged, got married during the transaction. And on my honeymoon, I got an email from my lawyer saying, you're now the new owner of 15 condos. I thought that was phenomenal. We came back from our honeymoon, my wife and I, we had 15 condos in a building of 31, 16 investors. And there we were. And soon after, the market showed a lot of signs of slowing down. But I quickly had to get into the mindset of not just owning one property, two properties, but 15 of them. And all the issues that had to go along with not only our units, but managing a rental pool and a new property manager with 16 novice investors and the reach that they had in terms of financing and managing. So that was a very interesting experience working as someone that created a, an investment deal. Wow. So I want to make sure I understand what you just said. So you had a 31 unit building and you bought it. And then after closing, you opened it up for investors to invest in it. And then you ended up owning 15 units. Help me that with that, which is high level. Fair, again. Okay. So let's get into the specifics. So what this was technically, my partner and I had purchased a building that was 25 years old and the owner of it had already gone to the city and gotten condominium approval on the building. So it had condominium title status, but it didn't have the individual deeds. It didn't become stratified an official condominium with condominium bylaws and regulations and rules. So mm -hmm. when we purchased it, we worked with our lawyer, created all those things that create a condominium, the reserve fund, condominium bylaws, and so on. It already had a declaration attached to that title that was created the actual condominium. So we were doing a simultaneous close. We had purchased this building, me and my partner, all 31 condos, basically, this one building, and we were going to close from the vendor 31 individual mortgages and 31 individual deeds with the intention <laughs> was 31 individual people. Uh -huh. So this was the ultimate flip. And it ended up that we had 16 individual mortgages and deeds with other people. 
and we had retained 15 of them. So you bought the 31 units. The owner had gotten approval but hadn't done individual deeds. So you then closed on all of them. And where does the grouping of 15 and 16 come into play? Okay, so we had 31 individual deeds. And my intention was we had about 25 individual investors waiting to close. And then we would close on Investors meaning people who don't live there but want to invest in this deal with you? Absolutely, because this apartment building already had tenants living in each of the apartments paying their rent. So they were buying it as a passive investment play. They were there as small investors, and they were going to buy their first investment condominium or their second or third as part of their portfolio. And this was going to be another one of their individual investments. Got it. So you kept 15, and then you partnered with or sold off 16 of them. Correct. And we created with the property management company a pool, which further complicated things, which we found out. And now I've learned that pools don't work where you're pooling revenue and pooling expenses are very complicated structures. And now I've learned to not do pooling after talking to a lot of experts in the condominium conversion space. Pooling is extremely complicated and just don't do them. With those 15, why didn't you keep all 31 or why didn't you just sell all 31? I would say this was the ultimate zero down investment. So the equity that we had created from the conversion, we used to close on our 15. That's what I was thinking. Okay. So you can imagine a guy, I was 30 years old at the time when I bought the building. I had my first house. I had been working with a number of clients who were buying individual single family duplexes and triplexes. And my first investment personally beyond my personal residence was an apartment building for $1.6 million at the age of 30 years old. And neither did I see the opportunity to bring to the table the half a million dollars in equity to close it with a bank and own all the deeds. So my partner and I, he coached me on this thing. He said, listen, Randy, let's convert it and let's turn this $1.6 million building to $2.5 million and let's use the equity to actually close on your under units and get some cash flow at the end of this. So I'm expecting when I come back from my honeymoon from Italy to be three hundred, $400,000 in the bank Lo and behold, buyers backed out. I had to use the equity. We actually closed on the units. We had no money left. It was all in the units. Mm-hmm. So it was quite an interesting experience. And we were negative cash flowing too on top of it. So it was very interesting. So you got and 50, I learned a lot. You yeah, got 15 negative cash flow contributions. Yeah. So, so, so then what? <laughs> okay. So after that experience, I decided to go in further. So a really good buddy of mine, Bought 100 houses in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is another province in Canada for the Americans here. And Prince Albert is an interesting town. He bought about 100 houses. And he said, Randy, I got a great commercial building for you. I want you to buy it. And I saw the numbers. I looked at the market. And I said, this is an awesome opportunity. It had an easy home furniture rental company in there. Let's go and buy it. So he had contracted it at 180. By the time I closed on it six months later, we got it appraised by a commercial appraiser for $320,000. I bought that building zero down. So I become a zero down specialist and <laughs> not using my own money and closing it on deals. And it was interesting. The only thing that because it was a small town, we had to use private money, which now I've learned private money is extremely expensive and it completely drown you in a deal. It was 18% money from a multi-billionaire out of Vancouver. And I remember after the first year, oh, by the way, we had a tenant paying rent in there on one-year renewables. They had been there for about 10 years. And they said, don't worry about it. We're going to be there for a long time to come. 
couple of months after I closed on the building, they said, see you later. So I had a commercial building, downtown Prince Albert. It was about 6,000 square feet, completely vacant with private money at 18%. And I couldn't find a tenant in sight. And it ended up being about a year before I told the broker, sell it, please get me wow. out of this deal. So that was an interesting experience too. So I've learned a lot from bad deals. Which I've learned through my <laughs> mistakes that I can pass on to others. Yeah, that's very helpful. I love this. Just going back to the 15 negative cash flowing condos, uh, (laughs) what'd you end up doing with that? Actually, believe it or not, this is owning them now for more than 10 years now. Those condominiums have ended up being the best investment I've had. And the reason is, is they were negative. They were small, never had much equity. And being an active broker and deal maker, I had no means or a desire to really sell them. So I just kept them. So as I kept them over 10 years now, mortgages amortized, I've paid down maybe 20% of the mortgages. The real estate values have bounced back to more than where we had initially bought them. Now, mind you, I've sold maybe about five of them. Now I have about 50 to 80,000 of equity in each single one of them. And I'm refinancing them slowly and pulling out cash to put into more deals. That's outstanding. Over those 10 years, how much was it costing you out of pocket a month to keep those 15 float? Well, this is interesting because I had learned through that experience the benefit of negative cash flow. And you're going to tell me, what do you mean benefit of negative cash flow? Taxes. Absolutely. I am a six-figure income earner in the real estate broker business. And in Canada, we can't earn income in corporations as real estate brokers in Ontario. We have to earn them as T4 income, which is basically employed income. So we can only deduct basic expenses. We can't defer taxes. So I was paying maybe fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 in taxes if I didn't have losses. So I learned the strategy of buying negative cash flow properties. So I had on average maybe $100 to $200 per condominium negative cash flow. And that's when I learned the power of negative cash flow. And that was part of my new investment strategy over the last six, seven years where I've helped my investors make millions. I was with you until the very last sentence. <laughs> where, where you, okay. So where I, I, I understand that. Yeah, please okay. continue. Go ahead. Okay. So up until 2011, I published my book in 2011 called Investing Condominium Strategies, Tips, and Expert Advice for the Canadian Real Estate Investor. It should be known, my co-author and I are the first and only nationally published authors of Caribbean Heritage in Canada and the topic of real estate. So we're very proud of that book. And our publisher, Wiley, is the largest textbook publisher in the world. And we got interviewed by Kevin O'Leary. I don't know if you know him from Shark Tank. He has a TV show in Canada called Langan O'Leary, which is a hard-nosed business television show. And Kevin, I don't know if you know if you watch. Mr. Wonderful. He's hard-nosed. He goes after every... Mr. Wonderful will literally cut you down on television and tell you how stupid you are. So when we found out we had a TV interview with him two weeks before Christmas, I started to panic. It's like I had four weeks to get prepared. I was really worried. I was afraid Kevin was going to make me look like an idiot on national television. So I started doing some research and lo and behold, at the end of the interview, Mr. Wonderful told us, wow, I guess I don't see anything wrong with the Toronto condominium market. And people were shocked. Soon after, I'd like to say I was part of the change and the awareness of Kevin O'Leary and real estate. He formed a mortgage brokerage company. He started speaking on the real estate investment circuit and started to have an affinity towards real estate, believe it or not. Huh. You mentioned the benefit of negative cash flow, and then you said helping others make millions. So are those two separate statements that got merged? 
together? No, those, no, actually, up until April of 2017, negative cash flow in new appreciating property had been my major investment strategy to help me and my investors make millions. So my strategy was I had a particular ability to find new properties and condominiums that were doing really well and growing. But then I also found freehold properties in the surrounding outlying areas of the GTA. So obviously Toronto, you understand, is a busy urban core with so much development and real estate prices are skyrocketing. Prices for condominiums that doubled by 2016. They have doubled since 2011 by the time I had written my book. And it didn't make sense to buy from an investor's point of view condominiums. So what else makes money? Well, there was an expanding suburban development growth master plan communities. So I started looking at freehold investments, buying pre-construction freehold townhomes and detaches from master plan builders in the surrounding outlying areas. And the returns end up being phenomenal. Returns, but you said it was negative cash flow. So when you sell, the returns are phenomenal? Absolutely. Because Typically, when you're buying newer property in nicer neighborhoods, we're getting executive tenants. There's very little management. The growth is there, but the cash flow is out there because we're buying everything in on the price. You can go for cheap and get cash flow and get a whole bunch of headaches and things are broken and fixed up. Or you can buy new where there's nothing to fix for the next five years with a nurse renting from you or high income individual, but it's negative cash flow, two, three, four hundred a month. But as you hold it every year, it's growing by 20,000, 30, 40,000 a year. So a typical scenario is I would buy a townhome. I bought a townhome in Niagara Falls for 230,000 pre-construction. By the time we closed on it, it was worth about 320. We put a tenant in it, $1,600 a month. It cost us about 1,200 bucks a month. So we were making about three, $400 a month. And now we have it on the market right now for 380. And all we did to buy it was 15,000 with the contract and we bought it three years ago. And we closed on it with 20% of the initial purchase price, which was 230,000, that's 46,000 minus the initial deposit of 15. So only about 30,000 more into the deal. And we're going to be pulling out of the deal $200,000. So I did those in abundance over the last five years and made millions. So the type of personality and individual for that situation would be one, someone who's got the money to float the property over those periods of time. Two, the market must appreciate in value. And if you're willing to wait until the appreciation is realized, assuming that it does happen, then you can make a large chunk of money if and when that does take place. Well said, Joe. You got it. Sweet. All right. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? I'm going to laugh if you say buy negative cash flow properties. <laughs> <laughs> my, my best real estate investment advice ever is don't invest for return on investment. You basically Strictly said it. ROI. Invest, <laughs> I basically said invest for lifestyle and overall financial objectives to be achieved overall, which they include not just money. There's a lifestyle choice here when you buy investment property. What's the average net worth of your client? Half a million to a million. Okay. I was thinking it'd be more than that. All right. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to 
one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling. We do one a month. Then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Are you seeking investors, negotiating deals, and making things happen? The Seven Figure Sales Podcast has exactly what you need. Host Taylor Lote interviews real estate investors, sales trainers, and successful entrepreneurs to bring you their top sales secrets. Learn more at sevenfiguresalespodcast.com and listen on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Best ever book you've read? Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins. Ah, I love Tony. Tony would definitely disagree with you, by the way. Come on, Money Master the Game. <laughs> There's no way he would. How I read into Tony's interpretation of my strategy is <laughs> consistently investing on a monthly basis towards an end of objective, you will reach your goal. And believe it or not, amortized mortgages are the perfect investment vehicle. doesn't matter what the net cash flow return is. You're chipping away that mortgage over 25 years. It's paid off. So the more mortgages you get, the more closer you get to Tony Robbins' strategy of buying consistently weighted returns, consistently investing whatever stock it is on a monthly basis. As long as you got that money to float and the market appreciates. Absolutely, which is why my strategy has changed as of late. Because believe it or not, 2017, Toronto started to decline. So I'm back to the drawing board on my strategy. Best ever deal you've done that we haven't talked about? Best ever deal I've done that I haven't talked about? I actually spoke about it. It was the condo conversion. That was the best deal. All right, we'll go with that. That's fine. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we haven't talked about? I lost a deal on a joint venture, $50,000 deposit. And it was because we had used a broker that unscrupulously waived the condition on behalf of us as the buyers. And I wasn't directly involved in that conversation. So that was a very bad, very bad, bad. When that happens, anything you can do about it? Well, I've learned now as a real estate broker, if I'm not the lead broker with the transaction, discussing things with the other broker on the other side, I'm not part of that JV. I'm no longer the silent guy in the back. Either I'm in control of the transaction or I'm not. That's my lesson. Best ever way you like to give back? Best ever way I'd love to give back is Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow game. Cash flow 101. I hold these cash flow games in local community centers and local colleges and teach young people and even older people about wealth and wealth creation and money management. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you, Randy? You can email me directly at randy at condoinvest.ca. Condoinvest.ca. Excellent. Well, Randy, thank you. A very lively conversation. I personally was entertained and enjoyed hearing about your approach. I don't do that approach, but it's worked out for you and others. So there you go. There's different paths for different types of people and different risk tolerances and different needs. And taxes are our number one expense. That's something that we tend to forget. Absolutely, the way we create the most wealth is usually by mitigating the taxes on what we pay on the income. And so many of us, and I've been guilty of this in the past, focus on maximizing the income stream of a certain property. But in reality, if we're only doing that and not minimizing the taxes that we pay, then we're not being as effective as we could. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. 
Awesome, Joe. And just to add to that, Joe, if I yeah, could, please. one last thing. If you're wondering how Toronto can become the condominium capital of the world and all these condominiums, and they stopped being positive cash flow since 2011. So seven years ago, they stopped being positive cash flow. Who's buying all these negative cash flow pre-construction brand new condos? Believe it or not, it's all these high net worth doctors and lawyers and so on that are looking for negative cash flow strategies as an additional tax deferral strategy to what they're currently doing. Thanks a lot, Randy. Talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you, Joe. Are you seeking investors, negotiating deals, and making things happen? The Seven Figure Sales Podcast has exactly what you need. Host Taylor Lote interviews real estate investors, sales trainers, and successful entrepreneurs to bring you their top sales secrets. Learn more at sevenfiguresalespodcast.com and listen on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast.